good afternoon, good morning to those tuning in to the show right now. Whatever time you listen to it, thank you for always tuning in to the show Last Word Productions. Y'all know I'm your host Tavares and I always get the last word as you all know by now. Now I do apologize for not being more consistent with putting out episodes because I have been busy. Simply put, the adult life is not easy y'all. Don't grow up. <laughs> I'm serious. But... Let's get right up into it, man. We got a lot of NBA news, thoughts, playoffs, etc. So let me just jump right into it. So before I get into the NBA news, I want to get off into the, a little bit of news about the Lakers and their coaching search. And as we all know, they have interviewed multiple candidates now. I know the most notable one for me that I believe they should go in the direction of is Mark Jackson. I believe Mark Jackson is the best fit for that team. Just from his entire demeanor and what he stands for, I know he has gotten a bad reputation because of his own personal beliefs and things of that nature along the league and alongside some other <clears throat> organizations he has worked with in the past. But at the end of the day, Mark Jackson is still a good coach. I think he's a guy that can elevate and make players want to play for him. And that's something that the Lakers, to me, lack. A lot of last season they just didn't seem to want to go out and get wins they just seemed to just be there at times and that's not good at all I mean it doesn't matter how much talent you have with your team if you don't have the guys the want to win it's not gonna happen it's just what it is and in my personal opinion I believe Mark Jackson is the best fit for this Laker team LeBron James is again any younger. Anthony Davis can't seem to stay healthy for at least three-fourths of a season. And Russell Westbrook, 10 out of 10 times, is leaving. So it's up, it's up to the coach coming into the situation to re, re, regalvanize and rejuvenize the troops and just get them all back into a more comfortable and more enjoyable and exciting environment to actually want to compete for a championship again. I think that's what it has to come first instead of just the X's and O's. And like I said, I think Martin Jackson could be the guy to do that. <clears throat> but off into other news in regards to the NBA, Kyrie Irving actually, it was reported, if you all follow me on TikTok, if you don't, it's the name of the show, Last Word Productions on TikTok. Kyrie Irving is reportedly being declined or like cut off per se he's not signing an extension with nike because simply put nike doesn't know when this dude or how many games he will play or when he'll play they just don't know he's a wild card he's a canvas that could be dyed any color any season and they're not willing to bet their money on this guy and i don't fully blame nike at all, because at the end of the day, it's a business. At the end of the day, they got to do what's best for their clients and their customers and consumers and things of that nature. So, I don't blame Nike at all for going in this direction without Kyrie Irving. I just feel bad for Kyrie. I mean, I know he's a millionaire and things of that nature, but the the amount of scrutiny and the public just degrading statements that is made on a daily basis about this man is... To me, it's just asinine. It's just straight up shameful. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve some criticism because he does. I mean, this is a guy that sat out the entirety of the season almost because of COVID, the COVID vaccine, but he wasn't 
He wasn't against the vaccine or what it was. Essentially, he just simply didn't want it. And the fact that other players like Andrew Wiggins went out and got the vaccine, despite the fact that they were not pro-vac, they still got it. And I just think it was highly unfair that someone like Kyrie Irving didn't get a vaccine and then was cleared to play late down in the stretch of games. But that's neither here nor there. At the end of the day, he stood what he stood for. He stood on his own ten toes. I respect him for that. I respect the hell out of him for it. <clears throat> but as Kyrie Irving knows, he's a smart man. There's consequence to your actions. You can't simply just keep being willy-nilly about your career, your job, what you do for a living, and expect you to continuously just to be pampered like the star or the all-star, superstar point guards you have been. It's just not going to happen. If you're not producing, if you're not putting the ball in the bucket on a consistent basis, Nike has no purpose for you. Because not only are you not playing, you also don't look good in the media right now. And one thing brand, one thing about Brandon that brands would never do is give themselves bad brand representation. And right now, Kyrie Irving isn't exactly the best fitter for someone to represent any large corporation or any large brand. I mean, outside of the NBA, which is just too large for anyone to just corrupt. Nike... Adidas, these clothing labels, they get boycotted. They could get boycotted in an instant. So they're not trying to back someone who is not in a good public eye right now, per se. But again, it's unfortunate for Kyrie. At the end of the day, Kyrie Irving is a millionaire. He's not hurting at all. Probably he probably genuinely does not care, if we're being honest. But yeah, that's the story. Kyrie Irving is not Resign or again receiving an extension from Nike. Now, let's get into the playoffs, man. And I want to speak on the Golden State and Memphis Grizzlies series. Yes, Golden State closed that series out yesterday after a really good game six from Clay Thompson. Game six, Clay. If you guys haven't seen, but on his Instagram story, he actually posted the he posted a picture of Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, Jordan, and I forgot. It was it was from the Jay Z. It was from the Jay Z um line. He said Tyson, yeah, Tyson, Michael Jackson, Tyson, Jordan, Game Six, but yeah, he posted that on the story because he absolutely went off. I mean, the dude made eight three pointers. I think he finished the game with thirty points, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not looking at the stats in front of me, but he was lights out and. The reason being I wanted to start off with that game is because I'm I'm real confused on why exactly is it that Steph Curry does not receive scrutiny, criticism, or just downright any kind of backlash for poor performances in big games. I mean, this isn't a first-time thing. This has been with him. I mean, Steph Curry last night scored 30 points. Not denying that. He went out there, shot the ball 10 for 27. Not a good shooting night for him, especially by his efficiency standards. It isn't. Then from behind the three, he went six for 17. Again, not a good shooting night by his standards. That's not a good shooting night. I mean, he simply looked off the entire game, but it did not matter because Klay Thompson, guys like Klay Thompson, even Draymond Green, 
and Festus is not Festus really. Um, Looney actually played a really good game because I believe he had twenty two total rebounds, if I'm not mistaken. And they just picked up the slack that Curry was leaving behind, but no one is saying that in the media at all. And what kills me is whenever there's any other superstar talent or star in this league, they get ridiculed day in and night out. James Harden's of the world, Joel Embiid's of the world, LeBron, Kevin Durant, the gentleman we just spoke about, Kyrie Irving, and even guys like Jimmy Butler and, excuse me, Anthony Davis to an extent. When these guys underperform, it is known throughout the entirety of the media that they underperform. Chris Paul underperforming in the Mavs series, the entire world knows about it. The entire world knows Chris Paul's 0-17 with Scott Foster as his referee. Entire world. Steph Curry, on the other hand, Steph Curry has a bad game, is brushed off, chopped up to an injury no one knew about. Next thing you know, he has he goes out and they win a game by 20 and now he's all better again. No. At what point, man, does he get held to the same standard as these other superstars? That's all I'm asking. I'm not I'm not asking for the guy to be scrutinized unfairly or things of that nature, but all I'm saying is why is he why does he have this security blanket over him when it comes to scrutiny or criticism to his game or calling him out for a bad or terrible performance or lackluster? Let's just call it what it is. He gets a lot of passes from the media. And I do not understand why. I get I get he's a very likable guy. He's a humble family man, has a beautiful family, wife, daughters. I, I mean... I get it. You know, he doesn't do anything crazy, never in the media with no nonsense story. I get it. He's a he's a great ambassador and great face for the NBA. I understand it completely. But that's literally what LeBron is. And LeBron gets scrutinized whenever he can be. That's literally what Russell Westbrook is. And the moment Westbrook has a terrible game, the entire world trolls him for it. I, I mean, I, I simply just do not understand why Steph Curry continuously gets passes for poor performances in extremely critical and crucial games. It To me, it just does not make sense. I mean, I could be looking into this too deep, but I personally, I don't believe I am because this is something that has happened on multiple occasions now with him. But I digress. Nonetheless, they did close out against the Grizzlies, who, in my personal opinion, they look better off John Morant. And I said this um, the other day. If I'm the Grizzlies, I'm calling up the Clippers, and I'm saying if I could get either or Paul George or Kawhi Leonard. I would prefer Paul George simply put because he would come, he would cost me less. And simply put, he doesn't come with the the headache and baggage that Kawhi Leonard seems to come with. At first, I was with Kawhi Leonard for all the the medical concerns he had in San Antonio, but now that he's pulling out over the Clippers, man, at some point you're the problem, bro. And if I'm the, if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm calling them up to see about either one of them. I, preferably again, Paul George, 
Because those two guys will complement their team so well. Veteran presence, two-way players, both can shoot the ball well. Don't need to be facilitators. They don't. That team passes so well together naturally. They don't need a true point guard to orchestrate the team. And again, if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm looking into that and I'm looking to move a jaw because he simply just does not fit well in what they do best. It's like what I said on TikTok yesterday. Jaw is a guy who needs the ball in his hand to be effective. He's not a shooter. He's a drive-first guard. He's a scoring guard. He's literally what Derrick Rose was when he first got into the league. But the thing about the difference between a team like Derrick Rose had and what Ja Morant has is the fact that they could play off of Derrick Rose and just be catch-and-shoot type guys or finishers off of the passes he'll make. The guys on Ja Morant's team, they need the ball. They need to get in a rhythm just like Ja needs to get into a rhythm. And that's what stags their offense sometimes. Because he's a ball-dominant player, because he's such a great talent, he needs the ball consistently. You can't get a guy like Dylan Brooks or Desmond Bain. Desmond Bain actually is the only exception to that. He seems to be fine perfectly as a spot-up guy. But the Jerry Jacksons of the world, the Dylan Brooks of the world, the Kyle Andersons of the world, the even Brandon Clark. I mean, if Brandon Clark would have simply put, if you put him around a floor spaces with it's him versus somebody else on the offensive defensive glass. The way he plays and the mode he plays with, there aren't too many loose balls or loose rebounds coming off that he's not going to fight for and get. So I just think it's a bit, it's something they should look into. I'm not saying it's definitive. I'm not saying they need to trade him tomorrow. I'm saying if you can go out and you can get you a, a veteran proven all-star, star-caliber player in this league to complement your young core, I don't see why you don't pull a plug on it. But that's neither here nor there. So, next series we're going to get off into our West. Y'all know the Suns, Mavs, Game 7 tomorrow is going down. And if you watch my TikToks, again, last word productions on TikTok, I got the Suns winning that game. Despite the fact Scott Foster is the referee and Chris Paul has never won the Game went Scott Foster as the head official. I still believe they're the better all-around team than the Mavs. Even though I believe the best player in the series is Luka, I think the Suns have too much that they can do to win this game. And I just don't see how in the world Devin Booker and Chris Paul both go out there and both have bad games. I don't see it because the perimeter defense for Dallas is at best average. I mean, outside of a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith and maybe Spencer Dinwiddie to an extent, they don't have any perimeter defense. Luka isn't a good defender. He's gotten better, but it still isn't good. Jalen Brunson is an undersized guard. I mean... He can't really defend any other guards in the league outside of maybe Chris Paul, who's an undersized guard himself. But I don't see how it's going to happen. I wouldn't be surprised if Dallas Mavs won, though, because Jalen Brunson has been great for them throughout this playoffs. Spencer Dinwiddie found some rhythm last game. Max, Max and Cleveland and Dorian Finney-Smith, listen, man, those two guys 
are as good as compliment players and role players you're going to get in this league. Both defend, they both work hard on the defensive end. Both are good shooters. Both work every possession that takes no plays, no possession off. They're two guys who, they are the glue to championship teams. You need your stars in this league. You need the guys who can go for 30 any given night. You need that. But you also need the glue that puts the pieces together. And those two guys are what you call that. And a lot of those reasons is why I would not be surprised if the Mavs won, but I still got them winning. I still got the Suns winning, excuse me. Let's get off into the East. As we all know, the Miami Heat, man. I told, I told people this. The Heat defeated the Sixers in six in Philadelphia. They're going to face the winner between the Bucks and the Celtics. And in my personal opinion, I think James Harden will never be the James Harden we've seen in Houston again. It's not that I don't think he doesn't have the athleticism or the explosiveness about him anymore. I just don't believe he cares enough to get back to what he was. And I think that's what it comes down to. Because when I see him play, when I see him actually insert himself, because I watched every game that series. When I see him actually try to insert himself in the offense as a scorer, he seems just like the guy from Houston. I mean, he yes, he does seem a step slower, but it isn't to the point where it's like he can't get past defenders. He can I seen him blow past P.J. Tucker and Jimmy Butler in that series alone. And those are two all-NBA defensive defenders. And simply put, I just don't think he has it, the mentality anymore to want to go out and get all he can. I just don't think he has it. I mean, he, he doesn't play with the same aggression he once did. He doesn't play to run up the scoreboard as much as he can, as much as he once did. He simply put, he just does not play with that edge about him anymore. I think <clears throat> I think he has I wanna say settled, but I think he's comfortable with what he has done in his career. And I think at the end of the day that's good enough for him. I think he's complacent with that. I could like I could be wrong. I don't personally know this man. Like I'm not gonna make it seem like I know him at all because I don't. But the way he is playing and he carries himself, being the fact that didn't work with the Nets, I think he's looking at it like, hey man, it is what it is now. If I win one, I win one. If I don't, I don't. I think that's what his mentality is. And as far as Joel Embiid goes, he simply has to stay healthy. In my personal opinion, I still think Joel Embiid is the best center in the league. I still truly believe that in my heart of hearts, despite the fact that Nikola Jokic has won MVP over him two straight seasons, I still think your Joker, Jokic, is not better than Joel, in my personal opinion. And if we get off into the book, excuse not the books, the books and the Celtics series, and I had a brain for it, my apologies, y'all. We get off into the Boston and Milwaukee series. Going to game seven, Jason Tatum had a phenomenal game six. I believe he had, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he had 42 points. He went, I want to say 12 for 27 from the field. He made, a, he made a handful of threes as well. A good amount of threes, I should say. 
And he simply looked virtually unstoppable. And let me say this. I do have the Bucks winning the series, but let me say this, man. I do not care. It's like the same thing I said about Doc Rivers. I do not care how many rings Buddha Coach Bud wins with the Bucks. He is a terrible coach. We have to understand something, people. Players sometimes make coaches, just like how a coach can sometimes make a player. It it can go both ways. If Giannis is not on this team, Coach Bud is easily losing his job three years ago. He just is. Maybe even four. This is a guy who makes zero adjustments in game. He does not change any defensive matchups whatsoever. He simply continuously lets Drew Holiday, who's a 6'3 point guard, go out there and try to defend 6'9, 6'8 Jalen Brown and 6'10 Jason Tatum. It's not going to work, bro. It's not going to work. You need to put Giannis on one of those guys, and it has to be Jason Tatum. This is your defensive player of the year. And the check you're giving him every single night is Al Horford or Daniel Tice. I'm sorry, that's not good enough. I'm sorry, it's not. There is it's just like last season when he when he refused to change the matchup from PJ Tucker to Giannis on KD. It's the same exact thing. The statistics literally show Giannis defends Kevin Durant better than any other defender in the league. But yet he kept the P.J. Tucker matchup throughout the entire series and as KD just destroyed the Bucks each and every game. I'm sorry, bro. If you're a coach and you can't simply make that observation and adjustment, how in the world are you even a decent coach? It just does not make sense to me. I'm not going to sit there and watch my guy get 30 for 40 points put on him every night and say, nah, bro, you got it. Keep defending him and just hold him off. He's not holding him off. And it, I can't blame P.J. Tucker. It's the coach's fault. All I'm saying is this, man. If Bud goes into this, to this game with the same as that game plan they just had this last game, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. I'm, I'm telling y'all now. If they still playing that drop coverage, letting these shooters just shoot, like Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, Derek White, if they just going to continue playing drop coverage with Brooke Lopez and just continuously let guys shoot their lights out, they're going to lose. These guys are not going to miss more open shots than they make. They're just not. Unless they're just really off, which I'm not betting on, especially after this last game just ended. You're going to lose. And if Bud had any sense, and I mean any, he would make that adjustment. But I, at this point, I have zero faith in him to make the adjustments. I have zero faith in him. And with that being said, my finals predictions goes as follows. Got the Warriors against the Suns. Got the Bucks against the Heat. That's what I'm going with. I'm not going to give a final prediction yet of who I'd like to win out of those. I'm gonna, whoever is 
end up in the conference finals, I will do a breakdown of the series and which team I'd like to come out and represent their respective conference. So let's get off into a bit of NFL news, nothing too crazy. But I do want to talk about one thing in particular. And as you all know, I am a Dolphin fan. So I did see the tour video of him underthrowing Tyreek Hill in practice on a practice throw again. Let me reiterate that. On a practice throw. Don't get me wrong, guys. I love football. I love the Dolphins as much as anyone. I do. I want to see the the big time throws made in practice and the impressive hype videos. I want to see it all because, you know, right now we're just reaching for something to look at. But, guys, we got to understand something. It's practice. It's practice. I, I said things jokingly on Facebook about it. I posted the other video of Tyreek Hill posted on Twitter and... I had some friends telling me the same thing as practice. I'm like, yeah, man, I know. I, I really posted this just to be funny. <laughs> like, to show the people who seen this guy make that throw, and now he makes these throws. They all, just to show they all are insignificant. It's practice. <laughs> it's practice. That's it. And I simply put my mind... And I believe the team mind, organization mind, is already made about what Tua has to do. Or if he doesn't do it, he's done. And I said this, I said this, I want to say a month ago. Well, when they signed Teron Armstead and went out and got Tyreek Hill, I said this, I said he got four weeks. He got four weeks, that's it. And... If you all don't know, the schedules were released and the Dolphins' first four games are no walk in the park, guys. These games are brutal. Let me let me just read you their first four week games. I know them off the top, but I don't know which ones are away and which ones are home. So I got to look just to check that. So, okay, so first, you got the Patriots at home, division game. I don't care how much talent you think the Miami has over the Patriots. Whenever we play the Patriots, it is going to be a rough game because Bill, not only does he has months to prepare for one team, he has a rookie coach along with a third-year quarterback he will be seeing again that he knows his style inside out. And he going up against a defense who he knows pretty well and how to counter. It's going to be a tough game, regardless how you want to look at it. Should we win this game, theoretically, because of the difference in talent? Yes. But I would not be shocked at all if this game turned into an L. I wouldn't. I don't think it would be one, but I wouldn't. Then you at Baltimore on the road. Then you're back at home against the Buffalo Bills. And then after that, you're Thursday night against <clears throat> the Cincinnati Bengals defending AFC champions. So your first four weeks, you're playing four teams essentially that are all playoff teams. I know Baltimore didn't make it last season. They, if it wasn't for injury, this team would have easily been in the playoffs. Cincinnati, again, defending the AFC championship. These guys are legit. Patriots, division rivals, they're going to give you a hard time. And the Bills, you have not beaten the Bills in three straight years. This is no slouch of a first four weeks. The first four weeks are brutal. And 
if the Dolphins want to make any, any kind of hope, glaring chance to make the playoffs, they have to, at the very least, come out of this four-week stretch two and two. They, they just have to. If they come out one and three, zero oh and four, they're just they're taking a big risk because they don't end the they don't end the year on a soft note either. Either I should say. So it's gonna be a t- steep hill to climb, and one I do not believe they will be able to climb. They start the season off one and three and zero oh and four. It's it's not gonna work in their favor. If they somehow went to, made it two and two or. By the grace of God, three and one, we're we're sitting high. Cause after that, you got the Jets, Vikings, Steelers, Lions, Chicago. To me, my personal opinion, all of the games are extremely winnable. The toughest game on that schedule, in my opinion, is the Steelers because they still have a good defense. But in all in all, for me, the Steelers will be running out the fields. Each and every week with either Kenny Pickett or Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. I am living with going against one of those guys on Sunday. I just am. I mean, I, it's no disrespect to either one of those guys at all. But Mitch Trubisky is on his, what, third team in five years, I believe. And going on six. And then Kenny Pickett, a guy who was just drafted in a lot of scouts' belief in one of the weakest quarterback classes ever. Come on, bro. I'm I'm good with playing the Steelers with quarterbacks like that to make their debuts and the start for this team. I'm perfectly fine with that. And the Lions, the Jets, both drafted well in my opinion. The Jets simply put as long as Zach Wilson their quarterback I'm sorry, I'm not losing sleep over playing the Jets. I'm I'm just not. I mean, he did play a decent game against us last season, but I'm I'm just not worried about Zach Wilson at all. And I'm not even fully sure if Robert Sala is a good coach. I mean, we'll see. He it was one season. I'm not saying he isn't a good coach, but he didn't really show me anything to say. Oh, this guy has potential to be a really good coach. He didn't show me that. And after that, you got. This is where the schedule get back tough. After the Bears, you got the Browns, you got a bye, you got the Texans, Niners, Chargers, Bills, Packers. Now, the Browns, how it is looking, Deshaun Watson is not going to be serving any kind of suspension, which again hurts me to my core because I can't tell you guys, if you listen to the show, you know I want it. Deshaun Watson to be in awkward until so bad. I really did. And he's not. It is what it is. Not complaining about it. It's just more so of a Dolphins-like move to not go get the quarterback that they was rumored all season and offseason prior to this offseason to get. Then after that, though, Texans, again, this is another game you should win. 49ers, that one is tricky. I believe that's exactly like how the Pittsburgh situation is. You'll be playing a good defense, but their quarterback situation is something that should give you an advantage in that game. And I'm not sure if Debo Samuel will even be playing for this team. I'm not sure how his situation will play out. I don't know if Debo Samuel is going to 
demand. I, I it was rumored he demanded a trade. I'm not fully sure how true how true that is, but I'm not sure if he'll be playing for this team. Then the Chargers after that, that's going to be a game, man. That's going to be a tough game. Justin Herbert, those weapons, that defense, much improved. That's going to be a tough game. That's a tough game. Bills on the road is going to always be tough in Buffalo on the road. Green Bay at home. Listen, all I'm going to say is this, guys. As long as 12 starting out on the field, trying out on the field, you got your hands full. As long as Aaron Rodgers is taking snaps for the Packers, you in for a long damn day. So, just because he lost Devontae Adams, guys, do not think for a second this game is just a gimme. It's not. Because Rodgers is one of the best to ever do it to ever do it in this business. If he comes out there, it's going to be a long game. I'm not saying this is not winnable, but what I'm saying is we got to be on our P's and Q's because you don't see this kind of quarterback every week. They got us to be on their P's and Q's. And that three-game stretch, though, with quarterback play they're playing with Herbert, Josh Allen, and Rodgers, man, the defense got to be locked and loaded for three straight weeks, man. Then after that, you got the Patriots in Gillette. Then you close the season up against the Jets at home. So this, again, brutal schedule. This this is not a cakewalk. I don't want to hear people saying the Dolphins about to go undefeated and they about to win 14 games. They're not. Let's be honest with ourselves, guys. They're not. This is a team. In order for them to have a chance to make the playoffs, they got to easily get hit double digits because the AFC is just too good now. And they got to, and I think the bare minimum wins you can have, I think is 11. It's too many good teams. It's too many good teams in the AFC, man. But on to more NFL news. As we all know, Brian Edwards was actually traded to the Atlanta Falcons. He was the receiver. I think he was in his third year for the Las Vegas Raiders. No, second season, excuse me. Second year receiver, Brian Edwards was traded to the Falcons. And what does this move mean for the Falcons, per se? I think it means that the Falcons are building an identity. Went out and got Drake London, bigger body receiver, drew a lot of comparisons to Mike Evans, Mike Evans, Mike Williams. Already got a big athletic tight end in the Kyle Pitts. And now you went out and got Brian Edwards, another big, strong receiver, to go along with your big, strong, hybrid running back in Cordell Patterson. The Falcons are clearly building a team with size, and they want guys with size who can run. Simple. It's, that's what I see when I look at the Falcons now. This is a team that is moving into that direction. Of, they're essentially looking like they're going to play bully ball, which nothing wrong with. You could win playing that way. I just want to see how effective Marcus Mariota will be in that system, in that kind of play style that they're trying to build. But wasn't anything really else going down in the NFL, guys. I will get into the fan Q&A, though. I know I haven't done this in a long time, but 
It's time to get into the fan queue. I just got to find the questions. I have uploaded them on Facebook. And if y'all ever want to ask me any questions, the Q&A is always posted on, <clears throat> excuse me, it's always posted on Facebook and YouTube. So if you're on YouTube, all you got to do is comment on the video. I will screenshot the video and your questions, whatever the case may be. And you know, I answer them. If it's on Facebook, just comment on the post. I post it every beginning of the week, every single week. I will start back doing that. I promise I will. So be on the lookout every Monday. So this first question comes from Kevin Wade. He asks, "You do you think the Jordan Poole play was dirty? Now, this is an older question because I posted this six days ago, almost a week. So... He's referring to Jordan Poole when he had, in my personal opinion, accidentally pulled John Moran's leg, which led to him being out for the remainder of the series. We go to, I believe it was a knee, a knee bone, bone bruise or something like that, and ultimately he was out the series. I don't think it was intentional at all. I think it was generally just him going for the ball and he accidentally grabbed him and hurt him. I don't I don't think it was intentional at all. I don't think Jordan Poole is that kind of guy. No one on Golden State outside of Draymond Green is really someone who would like intentionally do something that could hurt somebody. And Draymond isn't even that type of guy. I mean he, he doesn't he does a lot of things but he doesn't go out there to intentionally hurt people. That's not what Draymond Green does. Now does he do it? Yes, he does hurt people at times. I'm not denying that. But he doesn't go out there with the intention like, yeah, I got to take this guy out. Like, they're playing hockey or something, man. That's not what players do. So, no, I don't think the Jordan Poole play was dirty. I think it was an accident that was just horribly wrong. Like, just that just went horribly wrong, I should say. So, I don't think Jordan Poole is a dirty play. I don't think it was a dirty play. I just think it was a mistake. The next question comes from Mark Kears. He says... Do you think John Morant is on his way to greatness, or is he being overrated? Now, this is a really good question, because I actually spoke on this briefly on the phone the other day with a friend of mine. And in my personal opinion, and before I say what I got to say, I got to say this. I want people to know something. I'm a fan of John Morant. I love John Morant's game. I am a Derrick Rose fan and have always been a Derrick Rose fan since he played at Memphis. I've always been that. Always. And when I see John Morant, I see the second coming of Derrick Rose. That's what I see. But I have to be honest with you guys. I think he's being overrated right now. I think a lot of people are putting him on a pedestal that he has not even come close to reaching. And the reason that I say that is because I see him starting to draw comparisons to guys like Allen Iverson, guys like, again, Young Derrick Rose, guys who are league MVPs, been in the conference finals, led the league in, in scoring, you know, guys who, <clears throat> excuse me, guys who are some of the youngest stars in the league that we've ever seen that just, simply put, dominated the game. There is no dominancy right now from John Morant. As an individual player, there isn't. It's a lot of potential, but as 
as a dominant force and player, it isn't there. And again, this is a man who's playing on the team without him is 20 and 5. Without him, they average more assists per game, rebounds per game, and shoot better. This is a guy who, again, is extremely talented. No one is taking that from him. But we also have to remember that he's also a guy who has a lot to improve on in his game. He isn't a good enough consistent shooter from anywhere from the floor. He needs to be at the basket to be his best, which, again, there's nothing wrong with that. Russell Westbrook made a living out of living under the rim. But at the end of the day, Russell Westbrook is a billion times better rebounder and passer, playmaker all around. And for my money, Russell Westbrook, especially at his best, is a better defender. So it's, it's things Jar has to improve on in terms of IQ and his play and recognition of defenses and realizing the guys is open a second early instead of seconds late. It's those things he has to improve on. And that's when I will see him and say, this guy is on his way and ascending to greatness. But as it stands now, I, I just think he's an exciting player to watch, honestly. I don't, I don't think he's this otherworldly talent that a lot of Memphis fans, a lot of NBA fans who love him believe he is. Again, I love John Moran's game. He's one of the most exciting players to watch. But... He just simply put, he just needs to still learn. People need to give him time to develop into what he can potentially be. And I think that's where a lot of people are getting mixed up at. They're confusing his potential with what he is. Those are two different things. But that's it for the questions, guys. And that'll be it for today's episode. Again, if you want to ask me questions, post them. Under the comments, in the posts, on Facebook, on YouTube, I post. I will start posting them there every single Monday when I get a chance. And if you don't already, y'all follow me on my platforms, man. I'm on TikTok, Last Word Productions again. I'm also on a personal page. It's my name, Tavares Wilson, with the number, I believe it's the number three at the end. It's eight or three. It's one of those. But... TikTok, I'm on there. Facebook, Last Word Productions. I'm on there. IG, Last Word underscore Productions. I'm on there. YouTube, you guessed it, Last Word Productions. So thank y'all again. I'll see y'all in the next one, man.